0: and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about the context of Scripture. Let's dive in. Over the last several episodes, we've been talking about Bible study. And in the last episode, episode 164, we were specifically talking about the first of four questions to ask anytime you come to scripture. And the question is, what does the passage say? And again, it goes back to this idea of observation, that I'm not just trying to make a judgment. I'm not trying to ask the question, well, you know, what does this passage mean to me? Nor am I even trying to figure out how do I apply the passage into my life? Rather, I'm trying to figure out what is going on in the passage. And therefore, I'm just making some observations. Now, I mentioned in the last episode that today I want to give you some other thoughts in terms of observation. I really want to focus on this idea of context. We often joke that, you know, when you're buying a house, the most important thing that determines the price of a house, there's actually three things. It is location, location, and oh yeah, location. (laughs) But when it comes to Bible study, the three most important things that you need to keep in mind when you're doing Bible study is context, context context. And again, the idea of context is typically we we think of it as the, the content that comes before or after your specific passage. So if you're studying Philippians chapter three, the overarching context then would be Philippians chapter two and Philippians chapter four. But if you want to think of it this way, every word has a context and it's the sentence it sits in. And every sentence has a context and it's the paragraph it sits in. And every paragraph is typically within larger sections or chapters, and those sit within books, and that sits within like the New Testament or the Old Testament, and even that sits in the entirety of Scripture. So when we come to Bible study, we have to keep in mind the context of a passage. Now, when we speak, we do this very naturally. For example, my my favorite illustration is if I come up to you and I say, oh, I'm green. What do I mean by that? Well, it might mean that I'm the color green or that I'm envious, I'm sick, I might be an alien, I, I might be environmental, you know, like a green thumb, you know, uh, or a gardener in that sense. I could be wealthy or a newbie like a greenhorn, or maybe that's my name, Mr. Green. There's a lot of ways that I could, you could understand that idea of, oh, I'm green. See, it's all on the context of how that word is being used. So if I come up to you and say, oh, I just, ah, man, I did not feel well this morning, and oh, I'm green, you would... Immediately know what I'm referring to because of the context. Well, the same thing is true about scripture. In fact, a lot of scholars have said that you can learn more about a passage by the context than even the words within the passage because context really gives you the definition or it frames the meaning of a particular passage. Now, if you don't use context, if you just kind of pick up a verse and run with it, you really at times can make a verse say whatever you want it to say. And there's a lot of humorous stories that you can go through scripture and pick out one verse and make it say whatever you want. Uh, for example, if you go back into the King James, right, in the Song of Solomon, it says, I am sick of love. Well, that makes sense to me. Man, I am so tired and I am just exhausted with this idea of love. <laughs> but that's actually not what the author is saying. In the context, he's talking about the fact That, or in fact, it's it's the woman in the passage, but that she is just overwhelmed by the reality of love, and she's just she's just in this lovey-dovey, you know, just daydreaming kind of state, and therefore she is sick of love. Not like, uh, sick of love. (laughs) You know, the context actually gives you the meaning behind it, and of course, there's a lot of funny uh, illustrations. For example, you know, the single woman's favorite verse is when Jesus says, "If any man shall come after me, let him." Well, if you stop the verse right there and you just pick it out, well, that actually is saying something completely different than what Jesus is referring to, right? Or, you know, the classic story of a man trying to seek the will of God and he's, he's saying, God, I'm, I'm just going to open my Bible and put my finger down. And, and will you just, will you somehow give me insight of, you know, of your will? And so he flipped open his Bible and put his finger down and he read, so Judas went out and hung himself. And of course he says, "Well, that's that's not a good passage, you know." <laughs> He's like, "Okay, God, I'm really seeking your will and and so he just flipped open the Bible and put his finger down again and it said, "Go and do likewise." In other words, that's not what those passages are saying at all, but it's the context that gives meaning to a particular passage. So, if I can encourage you, when you're doing observations, don't just pull out something random, look at the context. In fact, context becomes one of those major things you look for when you're in that observation stage. Now, I mentioned in the last episode that there are a lot of great questions that you can ask when it comes to making observations. In fact, if you went to the show notes for the last episode, I had a link where you can download over 75 different questions you can ask as you're doing Bible study or making these observations. In fact, I will put that same link in today's show notes if you wanted to go to deeperchristian.com forward slash 165. For episode 165, you can download that list of just great questions to be asking when you're making observations. Because as I mentioned last time, the secret to to making good observations is asking great questions. Well, another big part of that is looking at the context. And so what I want to do is I want to give you seven important contexts that you should be considering when you're looking at a particular passage. Now, not all of these apply to every single passage that you would study, but these are just some things, some things to keep in mind as you come to a passage. So let's go through these rather quickly. Number one is the historical context. We didn't remember that everything in Scripture, scripture happened historically. It happened at some point in history. And there's a lot of cues in Scripture that actually help us that kind of set a particular passage in a time frame. For example, in Luke chapter two, verse one, it says, in the days of Caesar Augustus. Well, that gives us a hint of when the, hist- when the history or when this happened historically. So it's important then to, if you came across that verse to pause and say, okay, well, what does that actually say? What, what, is, that, what is that telling me? Well, Luke is giving me a particular time frame in Roman history when the birth of Jesus took place. So I should probably go back and look up, okay, when was the days of Caesar Augustus? And what was this, you know, what was going on historically at this time? And does that help me understand the passage that I'm looking at? And there's a lot of that throughout scripture. Number two is the cultural context. It's interesting. Anytime more than one person gets together, right? In other words, the moment you get a group, a culture begins to develop. In fact, if you look at family traditions or you look at certain holidays or you look at just how you and your friends behave when you get together in a group, my guess is it has a particular culture. There's certain customs or habits that you guys just consistently do. And there's nothing wrong with that. You just need to be aware of it. And when you come to scripture, there's a ton of culture stuff that's happening. For example, in the Old Testament, you have a lot of feasts and holidays and festivals. Well, all that becomes part of the culture of the life of Israel. Well, begin to understand those kind of things. A great illustration in the New Testament would be Acts chapter one, verse six. Jesus just rose from the dead and the disciples come to Jesus and they ask Jesus saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? It's actually talking about a cultural misunderstanding that the Jews had at the time of Jesus. See, the Jews thought that when the Messiah came, he would, you know, he would bring back the glory days of David and Solomon. So he would march down to Rome, kick Caesar off the throne, and and reestablish Israel as a powerhouse of a nation. But Jesus says, that's actually not why I've come. I have come to bring life, right? And as you look at verse 7 and 8, verse 8 being that great passage, in fact, it's the verse I wanted you to look at in terms of the uh, observations with this idea of why did Jesus come? Well, he came to die so that the outside God could come to be inside in this idea of Pentecost. So you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. And so Jesus is correcting a cultural misunderstanding of what the Messiah was going to do. A third type of context that it's important to keep in mind is what you could call the linguistic or the grammatical context. This would include things like words and their meanings, the grammatical structure, original languages. All that kind of stuff kind of falls in this grammatical or linguistic context. And typically when we talk about context, that's probably the one we think of the most, right? It's the verses or the passages that come right before or after whatever it is that you're specifically studying. But the more you can understand some of the words, their meanings, maybe the grammar structure, if if you wanna get really nerdy, or looking at some of the original languages, that's gonna bring a greater depth and understanding to whatever it is that you're studying. Now, again, you don't have to know Greek. You don't know to, you have to know, you don't have to know Hebrew. You don't have to have grammar, you know, but again, the more, you know, that kind of stuff, it's going to help you understand more and more of the depth of what's going on in scripture. Another context that's very similar is what you would call the literary context. This would include the kind of genre, the passage you're studying in, is found. In other words, is it poetry? Is it narrative? Is it biographical? Is it prophecy apocalyptic? Is it a letter? And you understand that if you're going to study the book of Revelation, it's going to look very different because it's apocalyptic language, talking about the end times, than if you're going to read the gospels where it's biographical about the life of Jesus. And that's maybe very different than, say, going into the book of First Kings and reading the narrative account of what this particular king did. And again, that's even different than poetry or parable, right? In poetry, you have a license for illustration and metaphor. So when the psalmist says that, you know, that the that God will bring you underneath his wings like an eagle, you realize that God doesn't literally have wings or feathers, right? It's a metaphor. It's a poetic image that the psalmist is using. And we give license for that because it's poetry. So understanding the genre really helps you. Because if you saw that, for example, in the biographies, right? Say say you're reading the book of John. This is not in John, just for clarity's sake. But say you're reading the book of John and it said that God brought you, that he literally took Israel and put Israel underneath his feathers, Well, that would mean actually something very different than it was found in the book of Psalms because it's biographical versus poetic. So knowing that genre helps you, and if it helps as an illustration, just think of movies or books, right? We have certain expectations if we're going to watch a Western film, right? Typically, the good guys wear the white hats, the bad guys wear the black hats. There's probably going to be a shootout at some point, and there's going to be horses, right? We have certain expectations with a Western that is very different than, say, sci-fi, and that is very different than a romantic comedy and that is very different see we have certain expectations when it comes to certain genres of books or movies and the same things about scripture so realize that parables right they're not literal whereas the biographical accounts of jesus or the historical narratives in the old testament are true they actually happen jonah did in fact get swallowed by a big fish Another aspect of that literary context is those great journalistic questions like the who to whom where when why how. See, those questions begin to help you understand what is going on in the passage itself in terms of the literary like who is speaking, who are they speaking to, what is what are they speaking, where are they at, when is it taking place? All of that kind of falls under that literary context banner. Another kind of context to consider is the scriptural context. And in other words, where is that passage in relationship with its book or where's that writing or how's that writing kind of fit in terms of all the writings of the same author or how does that passage you're studying work in terms of the whole flow of scripture think of it this way when you're looking at a particular passage you got to recognize it's not there in its particular spot by accident so in the scriptural context we're looking for the relationship it has with the other parts of the book you're reading or with all the writing of a particular author. So if you're reading Ephesians, how does this passage in Ephesians fit with all of Paul's writings and what Paul is trying to articulate to the early church? But then what does that have to do with the overarching story of scripture and what God is trying to communicate to his people? So that all that kind of fits within the scriptural context. The sixth type of context perhaps is one of my favorites and it's the geographical context. This is a profound thought. (laughs) You might want to even write this one down. Everything happened somewhere. Now, (laughs) I understand if you're listening to this, you're probably like, well, hello, that makes sense. And I don't have to write it down. Well, I do get that. But a lot of times we forget that when we're reading scripture, this stuff actually happened somewhere. So when it gives you a location, sometimes the geographical position actually gives you incredible insight into the passage itself. For example, When you look at David fighting Goliath in the Valley of Elah, see, it's given you a specific location. And why the Valley of Elah was so important for this battle actually gives you great insight into what actually is happening in that story. Or in the Gospels, when it says that Jesus did most of his ministry in a town called Capernaum, why is Capernaum so important to the ministry and the life of Jesus? See, locations are really significant. So if you come across a location, pause for a second, and go grab a map or an atlas or get onto Google if you need to and look at the location and maybe ask some questions like, well, what else happened in that location? Or why would that place be significant in the ancient world? And a lot of times great insight and depth can come just by looking at the geography itself. And lastly, is this idea of visual context. Now it sounds very similar to the geographical, but I wanted to pull it out separately because I think it's as important. Sometimes we presume that everything that's happening in scripture looks just like 21st century America or whatever part of the world you're from. When in reality, things are very different in Israel. For example, when they built houses, most houses were built out of stone. And it's because trees are very rare in the Middle East, and we're not going to cut them down to build houses. But in the land of Israel, stone is abundant. I mean, you can't pick up a stone and throw without hitting 12 stones. I mean, there's so many rocks all over the land of Israel. So when it says that Jesus was a carpenter, it actually means that he was a stonemason. It's actually the word. It's an architect that he was building things likely with stone. And that becomes helpful for you that when you, when you start looking at passages like Mark, when these four guys bring their paralytic friend up to this house and it's crowded. So they go up upon the roof and they start digging into the roof to lower the man down. Well, what did the house actually look like? And why would it, why would they be going down from the roof? So those kind of visuals, if you can figure out what a house looked like and why that would be significant, gives you great insight into a passage. When it talks about the Sea of Galilee and you, and you look at how big the Sea of Galilee is and, and how the winds can con, you know come down off the cliff and hit the, hit the fresh water and begins to churn it up and they have these storms, well, that begins to help you put some of this Bible stories of Jesus in perspective, that when you begin to walk on the water, what would that have looked like? And, and are storms common on the Sea of Galilee? All that, all that kind of stuff. So again, the visual context really helps you just to be able to see some of the things that you're actually studying. So again, if you come across a passage and it talks about you know, a trumpet or a candle or a house, don't presume they look just like what you probably have as a, as a mental image of 21st century trumpets or candles or houses. They're In fact, they're very different in the ancient day. So consider those things and try to find pictures or try to find a visual that'll help you understand that particular passage. Now, this is just totally a fun side note, but one of the best ways to understand the geographical and the visual context is to take a trip to Israel. Now, I know I'm a little biased because I love taking groups to Israel, but the reason I love taking groups to Israel is because it is a great, it's a great way to understand the context of scripture. And my trips, you know, we don't don't do tourist trips. We don't just go see the sites. We actually do a Bible study tour where we open up scripture and we study scripture on location where it happened. And we talk about these things. We, we look at an ancient Israel house and say, OK, now, based on what you're seeing, let's look at this passage and how this visual help us understand what scripture is saying. You know, like we'll sit on the Sea of Galilee and we'll go swim. And at the end of it, you know, we'll come out and we'll talk about the Sea of Galilee and all the stuff that you can see from the shoreline of where our hotel is. and Or we walk through the streets of Jerusalem and we talk about what would have been like in the ancient world with so many things have ha- which had happened in this little city called Jerusalem. Well, that's kind of my little pitch for why you should consider coming on a future Bible study tour to Israel. And by the way, we don't have the dates for the next trip, but it's likely going to be spring of 2022. So about a year and a half from now or so. And if you're like if you'd like to be updated with all the information as soon as it becomes available, if you just go to deeperchristian.com forward slash Israel, there's a place where you can sign up and learn more about our future trips as they become available. Now, regardless of whether or not you go to Israel with me, I highly encourage you to put it on your bucket list. It is a little pricey just because everything in Israel is expensive, but it is worth every single penny. And as People often say as they leave these trips, they say it's like the Bible has come alive or it's, you know, become color, went from black and white to living color, went from 2D to 3D. And after the first time I went to Israel, I've never been able to read scripture the same way again. It truly is amazing. Well, again, those are seven types of contexts that I would encourage you to keep in mind as you study scripture. Again, the historical context, the cultural context. The linguistic or grammatical context, the literary context, the scriptural context, and the geographical and visual contexts. Now, remember, as you're making observations, you're not trying to make an interpretation. You're just trying to figure out what is going on in the passage. What does this passage say? So ask great questions, right? Look up some of the answers. Try to figure out some of these contexts that are giving depth and meaning to passages And that's going to help deepen your understanding of a particular passage. In the last episode, I asked you to look at Acts chapter one, verse eight. Now we're going to look more at this in the next couple of episodes, but I want to give you just a thought for in terms of context that may help you as you continue making observations in Acts chapter one, verse eight. One thing I want you to consider is that when Jesus is talking to the disciples in this passage, he's on the Mount of Olives, which is right across from Jerusalem. So why would Jesus go in the order of Jerusalem, then Judea, and then Samaria, and then the ends of the earth? Part of this goes into the geographical context. And so you may want to look up, okay, where is Jerusalem in relationship to Judea? And where is that in Samaria compared to the rest of the world? And then also with Samaria, what was some of the cultural understanding of the Jews in relationship to the Samaritans? That's going to help you understand this passage as well. So again, I would encourage you to keep doing some observations in Acts chapter one, verse eight. And if you're like, well, I got everything I could out of this passage. Well, just know that this is one of those passages that you can keep coming back to over and over and keep making more and more observation. In fact, one college class I heard of gave the assignment of doing observations from Acts chapter one, verse eight. And by the end, they had over 400 observations just from this passage. So if you think you've already exhausted this passage can I encourage you to keep going after it? Keep looking at this passage and recognize and just begin to be prayerful of what is taking place in this passage. And again, context, context, context is really important when it comes to Bible study. Well, in the next episode, we're gonna talk about the second question to be asking as we come to Bible study. And we're gonna be taking all these observations and this idea of what does the passage say? And we're actually gonna go to the next step. So join me next week as we continue continue to talk about this idea of Bible study. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including a list of those seven types of context, as well as the link where you can download those 75 questions to ask when you're doing observations, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 165 for episode 165. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.